0: Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, you know, uh, I've met a lot of entertainers in my time in the show business, and uh, sometimes you're put in contact with a guy that has an extreme talent and uh, uh, has a unique uh, look on entertainment, and this guy's name is Jack Wilhite. Welcome to the program, Jack. Thank you very much, Dave. Pleasure to be here. you are going to be in washington iowa saturday night why don't you tell our listeners uh where you're going to be and uh how they can get tickets and, and uh websites and whatever they want to do to check uh, check into you
1: i am going to be uh saturday night that's uh march the 11th at uh, lebowski's in washington iowa and the show is going to be at eight o'clock and uh they, uh Bob, the owner there, uh, has informed me the best way to uh, reserve your tickets there is to call the venue. Uh, that number is 310-653-2505. Everybody probably already knows that because it's a uh, Washington business and uh, had played there a number of years ago. And as I remember, it was one of the funner shows I've had the pleasure of working. They have a, a great facility there, and everybody that turned out was great there. So I'm looking forward to it.
0: Well, your act is just... It's like you wrote it for Southeast Iowa. They're gonna, uh, yeah, they got <laughs> you. have got a little bent sense of humor. We got a little bent sense of humor. Uh, uh, we like our rock and roll, and we like to laugh. And you're combining both. Uh, I, I guess it'd be let, better let you describe what you do, but uh, uh, you know, I just want my listeners to know that this guy is innovative, and he's got costumes and all this other sort of stuff. So, so tell our tell our listeners how you approach this night of entertainment.
1: Uh, my my program is called the Rock and Roll Comedy Show, and I think the easiest way to describe it, Dave, is it's a uh, cross between Weird Al and a classic rock tribute band. And uh, I do classic rock parodies of everything from Bon Jovi to ZZ Top, The Prince, Stevie Ray Vaughan, John Cougar, Mellencamp, Ozzy Osbourne, Billy Idol, et cetera, et cetera. And it's uh, a half a ton of gear and lights. There's. I play live guitars and live vocals, and there's some white costuming, and uh, if everybody's having a cocktail or two, it's probably going to be a heck of a lot more funny.
0: Yeah, uh, you know, I I watched, I I encourage anybody to watch the the video on his website there, that kind of goes over all, but you you put a lot into each character, a whole different uh, costume for each character. uh, uh, Pretty pretty much. You pay a lot of attention to detail, so, let's talk about uh, uh, what goes into everything that you're going to be presenting for just one artist, you know, um, like costume wise and, and uh, background and all that.
1: Uh, Absolutely. Um, Well, I think I just try to create a visual for uh, that particular artist. You and I were talking about ACDC a little earlier. So there's an Angus bit in there and, uh, um, I have a, a limited amount of time to slap stuff on while I'm standing on stage. There's, I don't drop into a wardrobe change room or anything like It's not like hairball. It's just done right there on stage. So, you know, I get the, the top half with the suit jacket and the tie and the shirt and the hat and then uh, an S.G. Gibson uh, to play. And uh, you just try to bring the visual to match the song that's already in their head and then I take the liberty of changing the lyrics around and making it more like a fish out of water kind of scenario. In Angus's case, it's uh, a return to rock music for the Super Bowl halftime show, and what would it be like to have uh, Bon Jovi, ACDC, and Aretha Franklin, if she were still alive, doing that. So, uh, yeah, it's the crazy stuff going on inside it. My head, which I try to bring to the stage, (laughs) It's, it's definitely a different type of show. I believe it's the only one of its kind that uh, touring the country
0: well it's like uh, a wall of sound kind of thing is there's layers of it you know what i mean you're you're being entertained on on several different levels all at the same time uh how has the audience been reacting to what you've been doing i
1: i always seem to have very positive responses it's um obviously it's a it's a very unique type of act i remember years ago when i was working primarily through comedy clubs for uh, road bookers and whatnot, a lot of times they wouldn't sort of, t- you know, they were just putting comics in on a weekly basis and not really giving much attention on the posters to pointing out the differences that they're doing. And I think a lot of times people just thought it was going to be your standard R or X-rated comedy show. And then all of a sudden I show up with my music and, you know, half the crowd's gone, oh, what's that? And the other half is gone, wow, this is cool. But now I've been touring for probably the last seven or eight years almost exclusively as a one-man show. And I handle all my own promo and uh, their posters and whatnot. So I think by the time people get to the show, uh, if they've had curiosity to come out and know the venue and are looking for something different, uh, based on the poster, they know exactly what they're going to be seeing. And, of course, then there are links to the website where they can see video at jackwillhite.com and that helps it so to answer your question yes now there's really no excuse for anybody to be surprised about what they're going to see they kind of have an idea when they're going in and then uh, i just try to exceed expectations by having a as i mentioned a half a ton of gear so i have all the appropriate guitars stevie ray Vaughan plays a stratocaster angus plays an sg uh, gives Les less paul there's acoustic guitars full sound system light system etc cetera, etc cetera. so uh yeah, I just try to bring it and make it a, as professional show as possible with the uh, amount of space I have to hold gears. So. <laughs> well, Everybody that uh, comes
0: out seems good. I, I want to kind of get to know you, uh, let our audience get to know you a little better. Did you start out as a musician that transformed into comedy? Did you start out as a comedian that just also loved to play the guitar uh, and wanted to combine the two? Uh, uh, what's, what was your first area where you started out in and then when did you combine these two
1: uh well it's said by many uh experts in the comedy world that kind of what's your 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 core skill or passion eventually bubbles up in comedy i played in high school bands um a little bit in college and uh, then just basically put it away and had a corporate career for a number of years and by the time I got to comedy I was a straight stand-up just you know just doing standard monology and uh, that was going fine but that represents about ninety nine point five percent of the rest of the comedy world and I think you're always unless you're a very unique character as a monologist on stage by the way you look or what you talk about or whatever you, I think your effort is always to try to get into a smaller box to make yourself more unique, to be on a smaller lily pad so that uh, love you or hate you, at least you're unique. And those that dig that, you know, will hire you. And hopefully, you know, your whole idea is obviously to get more work and play bigger venues when you do that. So uh, I think there was a time after I'd been in comedy for probably three or four years, I added one musical bit to the end of the show and it got a completely different reaction than the rest of my act and so i think the bell kind of goes off in your head and you're like "Ooh, that's kind of fun so you add another little bit and then over a series of years it just gravitated to become an entirely uh musically based parody show uh rock music being the most fun because i think you know majority of people understand it without it being um it's multi-generational. You know, I think everybody kind of understands classic rock from the late seventies all the way through the eighties and nineties. And uh, so I just started following that passion and retaught myself the guitar. Of course, now YouTube makes it very easy to be able to relearn a lot of songs that you previously just had to figure out by listening to a needle drop and guessing what it might be. And uh, so now it's just evolved into this, crazy animal that I do now which I've labeled as the rock and roll comedy show so it took a number of years and uh, a lot of experimentation and then you know I kind of hit the groove and figured out what works I think it's always I'm always trying to hit an 80-20 rule I'm always hoping that the artist and or the song that I'm doing has pretty much an 80 percent recognition factor where I think it would be very unlikely if people would not know Highway to Hell uh from dc or house is a rock and by stevie ray vaughn or purple rain by prince so i those are the songs i gravitate to um when inspiration strikes to create kind of a funny twist on the show
0: well uh do you pick out the artist uh you probably have some connection to the guitar playing or the music or something uh before you even create a, a character don't you
1: Oh, sure. These are artists that, of course, I know and love and have, you know, just for fun, learned songs from these various artists. And as far as inspiration striking, with regard to a particular artist, it's just really strange. I mean, most of these artists and songs I've listened to for years and years and years. But, you know, you'd just be driving down the road, and all of a sudden, uh, I mean, in case in point, it was about a month ago, I was driving along, and the Eagles' Life in the Fast Lane came on. And considering the number of miles I drive, uh, there's a lot of reflective time as you're doing that. And I don't know, Light Bulb went off about a month ago and I thought, oh, this would be a fun parody to do and changed it around and uh, threw it into the show. So um, yes, these are artists that I know and love and like the music. And uh, when a funny situation pops into my head lyrically on how to spin the song, uh, I do so. And it, I mean, it's all above board. It's all, PG rated. There's nothing graphic in there of any sort. I mean, that would be very easy to do a very lewd show if if somebody chose to do so, but I I don't find that that's particularly funny and just keep the act above board, clean, corny, silly, And, uh, that seems to work. So it just makes it fun and, uh, it's
0: great. Well, I've found in show business, you've got to have something unique. you got to be, you know, so, uh, you carved out a little territory here. But let's go back to, uh, tell me where you were born, a uh, little bit about your journey from growing up to, becoming, uh, to going on stage.
1: Well, technically, I was born in Toledo, Ohio, but my parents only stayed there for uh, six weeks. They, my dad was on his way to his first job assignment. I was raised in Richmond, Virginia, and I still consider that to be my home. And uh, I was in the corporate world for a number of years. In the pharmaceutical industry, and then I was in the sporting goods industry. I was the Middle Atlantic Adidas rep for a few years, and uh, just got to a point where uh, that business changed drastically. And I was contemplating uh, a passion I had for writing for television. Uh, don't ask me why. That just is something that just uh, interested me, and so uh, I began writing some TV scripts. And like thousands of other comics, I was for a few years, a contributing writer submitting monologue material for Jay Leno on A Tonight Show, and he purchased a couple of my one-liners for the opening monologue, and that was fun. And I just thought, well, okay, I'm a writer, so I, I guess I should just go out and you know, try to do some stand-up and just exercise some of my you know, material that was bouncing around in my head. So anyway, long story short, I fell in with some people who were producing shows back east in virginia and was going to their open mics and whatnot became friends with them and they were producing other shows and so eventually they were like well why don't you uh help us uh emcee and manage some of the uh, other shows that we're producing because we're only like two people and we can't get to all of them and i said oh okay so that enabled me where i was MCing for traditional three comic shows but at the same time learning the basics of production there, too. So I was collecting the money. I was paying the comics, making sure that the show was set up properly as far as the mics and the sound and the stage and the lights and everything else. And uh, before long, I had got enough material where I was uh, – for those of your listeners that don't know this – MC is usually the opening warm-up act, doing anywhere between 10 and 15 minutes. Then there's a feature that does 30 and usually a headline that does anywhere between 45 minutes and an hour. So I eventually had enough material to start. This is what we did in the old days. We would send out videotapes to solicit work from comedy clubs and booking agencies. And I had enough to be a feature at that point, which would be 30 minutes. And so I began sending those out, picking up a little work here and there. And over the course of a few years, eventually I was spending more and more time out on the road, pursuing that feature slot. And then obviously that over a number of other years develops into getting enough time to becoming a headline act. And about that time that that was happening, I I think originally in the act, I was doing some character impersonations as part of the show, but nothing real musical in the beginning. Um, you know everything from star wars character voices to movie and tv character voices and stuff and that was kind of fun and goofing around and then as i mentioned earlier um i stumbled upon a, a musical act involving a couple of characters and that because that got a different reaction then more and more of the new material going into the show became musical and it was one guitar and then after a while it was two and then it was three and then it was five and, and it just took a number of years before it, it happened and i just was following um what was uh unique and seem to be getting a a different reaction from the from the crowd again like you said to be able to stand out on your own lily pad enables you to find those audiences that really dig you and enables you to move up the food chain that much sooner so uh yeah it took a number of years to to make it all happen but that's pretty much the timeline on that how that all went
0: well uh you are a hard-working guy um you know, you're one of these guys that just really goes out there and beats the road. Uh, uh, my friend Jared Dog calls them road warriors. Uh, you're definitely one of those. Uh, but tell me some when when did you first come to Iowa? Give me a a, a story uh about something involving you in Iowa. Maybe it didn't involve a show or something, but uh, uh, give me some kind of connection that you had with Iowa or some kind of fun experience that you had here.
1: I'm trying to think about
0: my um,
1: first – I think one of the first trips I ever made to Iowa was for a gentleman who uh, still books a number of shows, a gentleman by the name of Jeff Johnson, and he booked a club in Cedar Rapids called Penguins, which he still produces shows under that name. I think the original location was taken out by one of the floods they had a few years ago, but Jeff was always very nice to me, and – used to have me in there and I got to work with a lot of Bob and Tom people at that time, met Christie Lee from the Bob and Tom show and a number of other national headliners at that time. And uh, that was, I think that was my first experience And Jeff used to have me back every year to penguins. And uh, beyond that, um, there were a few one nighters here and there, I think uh, Waterloo and uh, I'm trying to remember where, I mean, At this point, I've been to most of your major towns there, Dubuque. I've been to the um, Mississippi Moon Bar at Diamond Joe's up there. Jeff Johnson used to book that for a number of years. Uh, A couple of one-nighter operations would book some stuff in Waterloo uh, and Clear Lake, places like that. But I think Penguins probably in Cedar Rapids was probably my very first experience in Iowa. And just for the record, my dad was a uh, University of Iowa graduate.
0: (laughs) Well, there you go. It don't get any better than that around here. That's going to cut a lot of uh, butter for you, butter a lot of bread for you there in Washington, Iowa. Well, uh, Washington, Iowa. Let me tell you a little bit about it. Uh, I know you played there one time before, but it's a you know it's it's a town of hardworking people. That's what it is. You're gonna have a uh, you kind of have seem like you have a, a blue collar oh, appeal. Uh, I think you'll find a lot of blue collar audience there of hardworking people. They like to drink and they like to have fun. Uh, I think this is a, a match made in heaven. Uh, as you as you beat around, you you probably played a, a a lot of small towns. It's not as it's it's not like Iowa City or uh, you know or, or San Francisco. Uh, uh, why is what you do always so well received in places like uh, Southeast Iowa, Washington, Iowa? Uh, well, I
1: think you hit it on the head there. I think well, it, I think the Midwest, the Greater Midwest. From basically Missouri up through the Dakotas, and uh, Iowa, Illinois, uh, Minnesota, Wisconsin. Wisconsin. I, you know, I can't really explain this as, except audiences always seem to be more tuned into knowing their classic rock and classic television shows. Nothing wrong with the Southeast or the Pacific Northwest or anything like that, but uh, for some reason, the core of the Midwest where all my family is from. Um, they just seem to be more tuned into. to, uh, you know, you can make musical references across the spectrum, everything from, you know, mm-hmm. Led Zeppelin to Stevie Ray Vaughan to Poison to Prince. And everybody just understands the music. That That's the biggest thing that is the recognition of the artist to make the whole thing work because that that's where the uh, comedy grist comes when you push Ozzy Osbourne's character out on stage, everybody instantly knows who that is from his MTV years and all of his musical years with Black Sabbath and as a solo artist. And the Midwest just seems to have a really good following for uh, classic rock radio, which I've certainly done over the years uh, with radio interviews as part of our shows. And uh, I think it's, it just falls upon that. And what you mentioned is core values, too. Just good, hardworking, folks out there that uh, just like to have a good time and just appreciate people coming to entertain them.
0: Well, this is a top notch show people. Uh, um, And uh, uh, this venue holds a lot of people too. So uh, we can get a good, good crowd in there, but I want to encourage people. You need to go up and get some tickets for this because it's uh, $20 in advance and $30 at the door. So, you know, if you're going to take a loved one there, you can save 20 bucks by uh, picking up the tickets uh, uh, before Saturday night, couldn't you?
1: absolutely
0: so anyway uh let's close this out by what are we gonna see right here if we take the time to go to lebowski's and one of the the i, I want to thank lebowski's for putting on so much great entertainment uh i'm getting old and uh the the distance i want to drive to a show is getting shorter and shorter and shorter and to have uh, <laughs> uh, uh a venue 22 miles away uh, is is a blessing for me because uh, you know I don't see the other side at eight o'clock uh, unless there's a basketball game or, or a baseball game keeping me up. Uh, right. But uh, right. Uh, so what are you going to give us? What are you going to give us over here at Washington, Iowa? Because I'm telling you, since you've been on Round Guy Radio, we're gonna we're gonna have to get your A A plus game or maybe even your Double A game. What are we What are we going to see? Triple A game even probably tonight.
1: Oh absolutely uh, Well as I mentioned earlier it's, uh, I probably have anywhere between 24 and 30 different characters That come out on stage So it's, it's a full spectrum of classic rock As I mentioned uh, 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 Bon Jovi And ZZ Top uh, The Eagles Stevie Ray Vaughan Prince Billy Idol Axl Rose uh, there's a few, uh, extra things thrown in there with uh, third eye blind and, uh, it's just, it's all right. Bowling right down the middle of the whole classic rock world in just some weird fish out of water situations. Uh, for instance, uh, one of the bits is just simply, uh, what is it like to go to, uh, kids trick or treating in Hollywood on Halloween and knocking on some doors? And that would be Ozzy. Billy Idol and Axl Rose, those sorts of things. As I mentioned earlier, too, what would a Super Bowl look like with Bon Jovi and ACDC and Aretha Franklin? Uh, it, it's just the whole mix of, I think, a lot of artists that people probably already identify with and revere and their artists. A lot of times people are always saying, oh, why do you make fun of those people? I'm not making fun of those people. I love these people. But these are just the crazy situations that pop into my head where I think, you know, a lot of people uh, in the rock music business get one image, Ozzy being a perfect example, uh, who who can be kind of a noble fool sometimes as well as a talented artist. So those characters that are very extreme, that are crazy and well known for some of their antics, are the obviously the most fun to do on stage for audiences. So I just put it out there, and give them a hundred percent, and hope everybody comes out and has a great time. It also helps to have a really nice venue, as Lebowski's is. So uh, Bob Gall that runs it over there has done a great job over there. And I'm sure everybody is going to, if nothing else, enjoy the niceness of the facility and hopefully the show at the same time.
0: Well, uh, I really thank you for being with us. Um, uh, This was a tremendous interview. Uh, Listen, Saturday night, people, Washington, Iowa, Lebowski's, you're going to have fun. And I don't do this very often, but I'm going to do this for my friend Jack here. I'm going to round guy, guarantee it. So thanks for being with us. You got any anything you want to close with here?
1: Uh, Dave, just thank you for uh, reaching out and uh, inviting me onto the uh, podcast here. I certainly appreciate it. And I, I hope our tracks cross here in the near future and uh, just look forward to seeing everybody at Lebowski's on Saturday night. I think we'll have a good time and I'm looking forward to it. So Dave, I can't thank you enough.
0: Well, I got, uh, I'm going to close this. I'm going to give you a joke and I'm not charging you nothing for this one. Uh, but this, <laughs> this, this is my latest joke and you can, uh, you can use it if you want. Uh, why, uh, why couldn't the lifeguard save the hippie? I don't know. Because he was too far out, man.
1: <laughs> That's great, Dave. I appreciate that. Dave, again, I can't thank you enough. And uh, all your listeners at the same time. And much success for you and the podcast. Keep it going, brother.
0: All right. This has been episode 899. So
1: Wow. Uh, Congratulations. Uh,
0: thanks for being with us. And uh, get out and see this show.